There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. One church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. My Bible is, let's say it together, church, because I'm unconditionally loved by God and at harvest. I come to God as I am. But through today's life-giving message, I won't stay as I am. This is my banner year, which is my best year yet. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain standing with me. I want to go to one scripture, one scripture I want you to look at. Tonight, we're just going to deal with this concept, unlocked. Say, I need to be unlocked. Go to this scripture, Luke 17 and 21. It says, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed, somebody say indeed. Indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Uh, In other words, watch this. The kingdom isn't a building. Say, it's not a building. So somebody says, where's God's kingdom? God's kingdom is not a building. God's kingdom is not an edifice. God's kingdom is not a monument. God's kingdom is a movement of people. He says, nor will they say, see here. Say, it ain't over there. Nor will they say, see there. Say, it's not there either. For indeed, the kingdom of God is where? Within you. Lay your hands on yourself. Say your name. Say, there's a kingdom in me that must be unlocked. There is another version of me that must be unlocked. There is greatness in me that must be unlocked. Say, Lord, unlock me tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to get right into this. You're going to take some good notes tonight, and uh, it'll be somewhat pedagogical. That is scholastic in my introduction, and then as we move forward, we'll move forward with great strength and power. Sir Isaac Newton, one of the most influential scientists ever, introduced the law of motion, that an object remains at rest unless acted upon by an external force, which means nothing evolves or nothing changes absent an external force. In other words, things remain unchanged until they're unlocked, which would also include you. Say, I need to be unlocked. Nothing in your life is going to simply just happen. The thought that someday you're going to wake up and all your prayers are simply going to be answered and you're going to have $10 million sitting in a Swiss bank account. And y'all talking about I receive it. 
That's good. You can receive it. But let me just tell you, while that is uh, possible, because with God, all things are possible, that is not very probable. That's probably not going to happen. The reality is, is that unless there is an external force that is causing something to change, causing something to evolve, causing something to get better, causing some friction, causing, watch this, some chaos, causing there to be some discomfort, there is not going to be change or evolution in your life, which means we could start the beginning of this message giving thanks, watch this, not just to Jesus, but giving thanks to every Judas. Why? Because what a Judas is, is an external force that's causing an object at rest to no longer remain at rest. You will never be the totality of what it is that you can be unless you've got an enemy that's coming against you. This is why the scripture says that the Lord prepares a table before us in the presence of an enemy. An enemy in the scripture is anything that opposes our forward progress. Which means without an enemy, what's that? An external force. I do not have a table that has that gets prepared. And if I don't have a table that gets prepared, that means I don't have a spread that's going to be laid out. Which means if I want to see greater, I have to learn how to deal with God. If I, y'all not saying nothing. If I want to be better, I have to first ha- learn how to overcome bitter. I need external forces in order to cause me, which is currently in rest, to no longer be in rest, which means all of the chaos that's going on around you, what it's really designed to do is to put you in motion. Because sometimes you can get anesthetized and comfortable by the progress you've been making. Sometimes you can get comfortable because you ain't struggling like you're used to. Y'all not talking. Sometimes you can get comfortable because you feel good in your relationship now. And so now you stop taking care of yourself because you think I got somebody. And since I got somebody, y'all ain't talking. Since I got somebody, I don't have to perform like I used to. I don't have to do what I did. Watch this, fellas, to get her. I ain't got to do that to keep her. Sometimes you need an external force to act upon you so that you can continue to evolve and change. Which means one of the greatest things you can ever give thanks to is the external forces that cause you grief. One of the greatest things you could ever appreciate are the external forces that push you into purpose. One of the greatest things you could ever thank God for are the external forces that are like sandpaper to you. Anybody, you've been dealing with some situations the last few weeks, last few months that have been like sandpaper. Every time you turn around, it's just rubbing you and it's rubbing you. It it ain't like Johnny Gill rubbing you the right way. It's rubbing you the wrong way. Don't act like you don't know Johnny G in here. Why's that? Uh, Now, Sir Isaac Newton says that you're going to stay where you are. Catch the principle. An object at rest stays at rest unless it's acted upon by an external force. Watch this. A person that's lazy stays lazy unless acted upon by an external force. A person that's not using their full potential will continue not to use their full potential unless they're acted upon by an external force. A Christian that claps but does not conquer uh, will, will continue to just clap but never conquer unless they're acted upon by an external force. A person that does not have vision will continue not to have vision until they're acted upon by an external force. You will continue to be what you are unless there's an external force. So sometimes you got to step back and say, thank you, Jesus, for all the stuff going on around me because it's acting on me to make me a better version of myself. Woven into each message this year has been this thought that it is evolution time in your life. But Newton suggests that nothing evolves absent an external force and things remain unchanged until they're unlocked. Now say, what external force? What's used to unlock you? Ultimately, here's the easy answer because we're a Christian church. So the easy answer is Jesus. Okay, that's an easy answer. But how does he actually do that? I've discovered 
that many Christians can go to church for years and they can know the person Jesus, but never know the principles of Jesus. So you can know a person, but not know their principles. So you never walk in purpose. Okay. Well, what's this? You can say lots of Jesus sayings. You can say lots of Christian stuff. And most of what we say is evidence that we don't actually know his principles. Okay, case in point. I felt the Holy Ghost. You can't feel him. See how quiet it got? Bishop, I thought you could feel him. I caught the Holy Ghost. He's not a cold. You cannot catch him. He's not a sickness. You cannot <coughs> get the Holy Ghost. Y'all not saying nothing. Everything happens for a reason. That's not in the Bible. If the Lord shuts one door, he opens the window. That ain't in the Bible either. Bible says if he opened the door, no man can shut the door. Which means many people know the person Jesus. They have no clue about the principles of Jesus. So they walk around living less than what they should. Experiencing life at a level that's beneath what he died for. Simply because they know the person doesn't mean you know the principles. You can know the owner of the Rolls Royce dealership and not have a Rolls. You can know the owner of, of Learjet and still catch the bus. So many Christians say, I know the Lord, I got Jesus. That's great, but that's only the beginning point. That's why you're in church on a Wednesday, because you say knowing him is good, but I want to know his principles, because if I know his principles, I'll be propelled in the purpose. So, so how does he do that? How, how, how are you unlocked to be a better version of yourself? How are you unlocked to grow? How are you unlocked to evolve? Well, Luke 11 and 2. Luke 11 and 2 is where we want to look at this. Y'all still with me, church? So nothing changes until something external moves upon it. Nothing happens unless something pushes. Got it? Some of y'all won't get out them crazy friendships and crazy relationships until, until they push you to the edge. And then you, you was holding on. You was all kind of prayer. Lord, if it's you, just flip the lights and move the flag and cause the water to come over and knock that down and let the screen go black. Then the Lord do all that. You be like, well, I'm not sure, though, because the screen, it was kind of gray black. I just want to be sure, Lord. <laughs> Lord, if you want me to move, just make it plain, Lord. Let's, let the airplane company give me a free ticket and... And let the movers call me and say, we heard you trying to move. You ask the Lord, do all this kind of crazy stuff. What's the point, Bishop? Sometimes you won't make changes unless you're pushed. Sometimes you won't make changes unless you're pushed. Sometimes you won't grow unless you're forced to. Sometimes you won't get better unless you're forced to. Sometimes you won't pay attention unless you're in pain. So Luke 11 and 2. Watch this. Say, how does Jesus? Talk to me, church. Say, how does Jesus? unlock me. So you're still tracking? You're still with me? Nothing. An object at rest stays at rest unless an external force moves upon it. So nothing is unlocked unless something unlocks it. Nothing changes unless something external causes it to change. No person evolves unless they are evicted from their prior place of comfort. Some of you this year, Jesus showed up to your former life with eviction papers and saying, pay or quit. Here's the deal. Even if you pay, we still going to make you make you move. 
You were comfortable in that version of yourself. You were comfortable in that level of your emotional stability. You were comfortable in what you were doing. And Jesus said, I'm not having that no more. It is evolution time. And you're like, can I get four, five witnesses? All right. Luke 11 and 2. So he said to them, when you pray, say this. Jesus says, this is how you pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So to know what a person values, you have to see what they pray about. This was Jesus' prayer. Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? Where, church? As it is what? Check this out. Look at me. This means Jesus' will wasn't being done. So that means everything that happens in the earth isn't God's will because he permits it. There's a lot of stuff going on in the earth. Jesus is like, when y'all going to do something about that? You're begging him, and he's saying, well, I already gave you the authority. I already sent you there to rule and to reign and to conquer and to subdue. And while you're begging me to change it, I already put you in charge. That is the equivalent of you being the manager and going to the employee and saying, what are we going to do? Well, don't go on it. You're the one in charge. You figure out what we're going to do. Okay. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? As it is. Okay, which means there's two separate systems going on. There's a system of the earth. There's a system of heaven. Jesus says what we need is heaven's system to invade the earth system. Because the earth system is wiggity, 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 whack. That's an urban colloquialism for simply lacking grandeur of any kind. But heaven's system is on point. Say it's on point. Heaven system is the goal. Earth system is just a mess. So he says, Lord, we need your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, uh, that word, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Kingdom is this Greek word, basilia. It means your realm, your royalty, your rule, and your reign. Say realm. That just means, you know, for example, this is the realm of the auditorium. Got it? It's the realm in which we operate, okay? Now, uh, this is the realm. This is the stage. So this is the stage. That's the congregation. So there are two different realms in the same room, which means you can be next to it but not be in it. See, some of you are next to the realm of heaven. You're just not in the realm of heaven. But tonight, all right, so your royalty, royalty is pretty straightforward. Your rule and your reign. So he says, your realm, your rule to your rule and your reign come. What's he telling us? It's not here like it's supposed to be. In the earth. Earth is this uh, Greek word. That's the language of our New Testament. G, like G-E, General Electric. Watch this. It means soil, land, country, world, life. Do you remember it? If you're taking notes, there's no way you took those notes that fast. If you did, it's just like, <laughs> you know how you do those notes where it's like, I, Y'all got it. Okay. I forgot where I was. I forgot where I was. This is the harvest. Soil, land, country, world, life. So your kingdom come. Your realm, royalty, rule, reign come. Your will be done on earth. Soil, land, country, world, life. Now, can I just have a preach moment right here? Why would he say soil? Because soil is where seed goes. So he says, Lord, we need your will to be done in the soil because when I put my seed in the soil, I want to ensure I get a harvest. Okay, your soil, land, country, world, life. Then he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is this Greek word, language of our New Testament. We're about to get to where we're going shortly. Just want to lay foundation. Oranos, O-U-R-A-N-O-S. It means your elevation or perspective. 
happiness, power, eternity, where God dwells. A lot of words, I'm going to slow down, give it to you again. Elevation, that means perspective, which means heaven looks at things differently. You look at betrayal as a negative thing. Heaven looks at betrayal as a door. That's why Judas' name, when he betrayed, you know Judas. Judas is the guy that betrayed Jesus. His name means peephole in a door. Why? Because heaven says we don't look at him as a bad thing. We look at him as a very necessary thing. Some of what you're dealing with right now, you're wondering like, God, why aren't you doing nothing? Because God says, I don't look at it bad. I look at it as good. It's making you better. It's making you evolve. If there's no Calvary, there is no victory. If there's no cross, there is no crown. If there is no pain, there is no gain. So, so then it means happiness. So, so check it out. Your will be done on earth as it is, as you're happy. It's happiness. Power, eternity, the abode of God. Now, Jesus prays this prayer, and this is a very significant prayer. Stick with me. What did Newton tell us? An object remains at rest until an external force changes that. I'm, I'm summing it up real quick. That's my version of what Newton said, all right? So nothing changes until something changes. Nothing's unlocked and, 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 until, uh, or everything remains unchanged until it's unlocked. Now, I want to jump over to Matthew 16 and 18. So Jesus says, Lord, we need your will to be done. We need your rule, realm, royalty, your reign. We need that to happen in our soil, in our world, in our life. We need that to be done because it's not currently being done. Look at Matthew 16, 18. You with me? It says this, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, literally, the rock Jesus is talking about is dual there. Peter's name actually means rock, and I've taught you all this year about how Peter had to go through this evolution process. He starts off as a snub nose. That's what Simon means. He was Simon Peter, snub nose, prideful. He was arrogant. And then after he goes through this great testing, he evolves into Peter. Touch your neighbor and say, you've been evolving. Yeah, there's been stuff falling off of you this year. There's been people falling off of you this year. Watch this. People who you used to care what they thought and how they felt and this and that. You're saying, listen, you ain't paying for nothing. You ain't helping nothing. You ain't making nothing better. Baby, I've been evolving. He says, I say to you, you are Peter. That's an evolved version of Simon Peter. And on this rock, so first is Peter he's talking to, but then secondly, he's pointing to this rock, Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon was a place of unity from Psalm 133. He literally points down and says, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Gates of hell was this literal place that Jesus pointed to, and he said, listen, anything that comes out of there isn't going to be able to prevail against the church. You with me? Okay, just, just look at your neighbor. You got about 14 more. Look at your neighbors tonight. Maybe not quite 14, probably only 10 because I'm halfway through. Probably, probably about 10. But, but just look at them and just say, no hell can prevail against the church. Let, let me prove it to you. That's why the church has been standing since Jesus left. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You're not hearing what I'm saying. We're the oldest thing that's been around, and we're going to continue to be around. His church is strong. His church is alive. His church is vibrant. And yeah, yeah, people may have issues with his church. People may not come to his church, but he says, baby, my church will stand forever and ever and ever. You'll be dead and gone, and my church will still be standing. The United States will be gone, but the church will still be standing. The government of this world will cease, but his church will still be standing the gates of hell cannot prevail against this church. Period, point, bank, bottom line. Are you here? Now, 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 
Look at verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I've been building this case for you so you can get this concept of being unlocked. Jesus says, I say to you, you are Peter. What is he doing? He's affirming him. He says, you finally evolved, son. He says, because you've been a wretch, undone. You've been a mess. You've you just been out of order, out of control. Simon, snub-nosed, arrogant. You thought you knew everything and didn't have nothing to show for what you knew. And because of your arrogance, I had to take what you did have to teach you. Don't act like that. T -t 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 okay, you got another one. You got another one. Go, go, go and touch your neighbor. Say, don't let arrogance take stuff away. Yeah, 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 yeah. And ever you find somebody prideful and arrogant, you found somebody that's about to be going through something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because what arrogance does is it writes checks that, okay, I can't say that. Can't cash. Now, so check this out. I've been building the case so that you get this. He says, you are Peter. On this rock I build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail. And I will give, look at verse 19. I will give to all of the church. No. And I will give to every born-again Christian. No. And I will give to everybody that names the name Christ. No. What does he say? And I will give to you. Who's he talking to? Peter. What's Peter? An apostle. He says, and I will give to you, Peter, the apostles, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever y'all bind on the earth is going to be bound in heaven. And whatever y'all loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So look at me. So what Jesus is really telling his leaders, he was telling the apostolic gift, if you all let it happen in the earth, I'm going to let it happen in heaven. And if you all let it happen in the earth, I'm going to let it happen in heaven. I'm going to say it a third time. And if you all let it happen in the earth, I'm going to let it happen in heaven. So if you want to stop it from happening, stand up and lead and teach the people so that the people don't have to walk in what I died for them not to walk in. You still with me? You still with me? And I will give you the keys to the what? Kingdom. Of what? Of heaven. Now, we've already learned. I built the case. I built the case. I'm a good, I'm a good, good prosecutor. I built the case. Been laying it out. <laughs> Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. We already learned that heaven is the abode of God. So when it says, verse, when it says kingdom of heaven, we could also superimpose kingdom of God. Because heaven is the abode of God. You know, in case you want an abode, what's abode? House. Dwelling place. You still here? Now, who did he give those keys to? Peter. Peter is an apostle. An apostle, for my note takers, is called a five-fold ministry gift. Five-fold ministry gift. You find these in Ephesians chapter 4. Scripture says, and he gave some to be, you should know this, I've taught you on this before. If you're new, just get, just get in with it and you'll be good. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Apostles, thumb, foundation. You cannot grip anything without foundation. Why did he give them the keys? He gave them the keys because you need foundational people to have that level of access. Got it? The customer service representative is an important part, but they don't need keys to open the door. 
prophet pointing finger. It's okay. You can point. You can point. You can point. Okay? Correction. Direction. Go over here. Go over there. Fourth tail. Fourth tail. Evangelist. Long finger. Not. For that. It's the long finger because the, the role of the evangelist is to preach to compel people to come to Jesus. I'm building a case. Stay with me. Some pastors, the, that's the, the, the ring finger. Why is that the ring finger? Because pastors are concerned about the sheep such that it is a, like a marital relationship. Sometimes he likes them. <laughs> Sometimes he wants an extended vacation from them. I'm just joking. It's a very happy marriage. Very happy. They have brunch every day. It's very happy. Got it? That's why. Because the shepherd and the sheep is like a marital relationship. Then you have the teacher. Okay? That's the small finger. Okay? The role of the teacher is to ensure that you have a complete understanding, like a complete grip. Me gripping this, absent this, doesn't give me full control over this. So whatever I cannot understand, I cannot stand under. You with me? Okay. That's five full minutes you give. Five in the scripture is the number of grace. It's the number of favor. When the scripture says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, God's hand are those gifts that when you submit yourself to those gifts and you submit yourself to spiritual leadership, now he will exalt you because he knows he can trust you to follow a man. And if he can trust you to follow a man, he can trust you to follow him. But he can't trust you to follow him if you can't follow somebody you can see. It's quiet here. You still with me? I'm building a case. Just building a case. So he says to Peter, who is an apostle. Apostle means sent one. Say sent one. They were specifically sent with specific assignments, often to either certain groups of people or to certain regions. Paul, the apostle, he was sent specifically to Gentiles, non-Jewish believers, non, or specifically Hebrew believers. Paul, his name wasn't originally Paul. Say, build a case, Bishop. His name wasn't originally Paul. His original name was Saul, he, Shaul in Hebrew. He changes his name Paul because he knows that if he walks in and says, hello, I'm Paul to the Gym, or hello, I'm Saul to the Gentiles, they're going to say, you're Hebrew. We don't want to hear you because of the way he was packaged. So he changed his packaging and saying, I became all things to all men that I might win some. You didn't know that my name was Saul. I made it Paul so that when you saw me, you think I was like you. That's why you can never, let's have a preach moment, you can never be ashamed of your testimony and never be ashamed of where you've been. Because watch this, while he's made you Paul, somebody needs to know you had a saw. While you're in church now, they need to know you used to be out there doing your own thing. While you're in him now, they need to know you used to drink, you used to smoke, y'all ain't talking. You used to run and chase women or whatever it is. Don't you dare be ashamed of your testimony because they need to know if he did it for you, he can do it for me. Here it is. So, Paul says, I became all things to all men that I might win some. So he changes his name. So Paul was sent to Gentiles, non-Jews, non-Hebrews. Peter was sent to the Jews. Peter was sent to church folk. Got it? So Peter was packaged in such a way where Peter, Peter knew how to deal with church folk because he, he knew all the sayings. <laughs> Shalom. 
Paul didn't do that. Paul was like, good afternoon. Because he's like, if I say shalom, they're going to know I'm a Hebrew. And if they know I'm a Hebrew, they're not going to want to hear what I have to say. So I'm going to go at them, and I'm going to go at them differently because I have a special assignment to them. Some had assignments to regions. You even see this with Paul and Peter also, where they were sent to certain regions. And when they were sent to certain regions, God graced them to do well in certain regions. And he graced them to break statistics in certain regions. And he graced them to, to break to break to break through barriers in certain regions and what others hadn't been able to do in that same amount of time, he graced them and anointed them to do it in that region. And then the moment that they give him a full yes, he'd say, now I'm about to bust the region open for you. This is between me and God. Yes. Okay, that's just between me and, that's just between me and him. Don't worry about it. That ain't for you. So, are you with me? So Peter is an apostle, a sent one. With a specific assignment, a specific purpose, to a specific people in specific regions. And it wasn't just locked down to one region, because they were building movements. So these movements had to not get fixed to one city or to one place, but understand that they were sent there to build movements in regions. They were sent there to not take sides. They're sent there to what? Take up. So this is the way it's always been. But I want you to see this. <laughs> say unlocked. Talk to me when they say unlocked. Matthew 16, verse 19. And I will give you, who's he talking to? Peter. The what? Keys of the kingdom of heaven. We learn heaven is the abode of God. So we could superimpose kingdom of heaven with the phrase kingdom of God. What did he give them? Keys. What do keys do? Unlock stuff. Got that? Luke 17, 21. I've been building the case. Let's get it. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. You've missed it. Go back to Matthew 16, 19. I'll know you get it because you shout. And I just want the people to shout with no music when they get it. And I will give you the keys of the what? Kingdom of heaven. Of what? The kingdom of heaven, which we can superimpose the kingdom of God. Now, Luke 17, 21. Nor will they see it's that building over there. Is that church house over there? For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. But I lock it up, and then I give somebody the grace and the anointing to be able to take the keys I give them to unlock you. Which means there's a you that's in you that has not been yet unleashed and has not yet been unlocked until we're starting this process tonight. Would you slap your neighbor high five come through here? Would you slap your neighbor high five and say, I'm being unlocked starting tonight? No, there's a rule, there's a reign, there's a royalty, there's a realm that is here now and it's in you, but it's got to be unlocked by the man of God you assigned to. I'll say it again. There's, there is what's in you? The kingdom. Now, now, what is that? His realm, his royalty, his rule, his reign. There's another realm in you. Do you understand realms? Okay. So, so again, let's use this. So, you have congregation out here, stage up here. Two different realms. You can be next to it. You can look at it, but never be on it or in it. This is why you got some folk sit in the same church, get the same message. One get it and see results. The other one sit right next to them and not get it. It's because they're close to the realm. They just ain't in the realm. And for everybody where you've been close to it, over these next few Wednesdays, I'm going to take you all the way 
in it. Somebody holler, I'm going all the way in it. So listen, so, so listen, so listen. He, he says, he says, there's a realm in you that has to be unlocked. In that realm, it is the realm where God dwells. It is the realm, watch this, where bodies are healed. It is the realm where you find supernatural financial increase. This is what you're talking about. One day, Jesus, uh, they, uh, Peter said to him, Lord, how are we going to take care of the, of the money we need to pay? Jesus said, go fishing. He said, Lord, what do you mean go fishing? He said, Lord, what do you mean go fishing? Why in the world will we go fishing? Now, uh, he said, listen, there's another realm going on here. And when you catch that fish, you're going to find some gold in the fish's mouth. In other words, I'm not bound by the normal monetary system of America. I'm not bound by the normal way you got to climb the corporate ladder. I'm not bound by the way you got to go through this and go through that. There's another realm that I can access. And in that realm, I can go from the tail to the head. I can go from the bottom to the top. I can go from zero to ten. It don't take all day. He'll do it just like that. Say, there's another realm in me. Talk Wednesday. Say, there's another realm in me. Now, he says, the kingdom of God is within you. Say, it's already in me. See, but it has to be unlocked. This is why Jesus guarantees church attendance, because he does not unlock people who are not first submitted. Now, that's why I'm doing this on a Wednesday. I could do it on a Sunday, but I realize some of you got to adjust schedules to be here on a Wednesday. Good. The church doesn't exist for your convenience. Jesus doesn't exist for your, and I just don't feel like it. To hell with your feelings. Jesus did not die for you to feel good about putting him first. And if you're offended, baby, listen, you're going to get way more offended over these next few weeks. The church does not exist for our comfort. He already died. So he says, since I gave my life for you, now what you can do is give your life for me. I paid a price that I did not owe, and you owed a debt that you could not pay. But I paid it anyway because I loved you, which means we do not serve God at our comfort. We do not do it at our pleasure or our leisure. That's the reason why I feel like preaching that's the reason why the Bible says put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? Because there's going to be some days I don't want to clap, but I got to put it on anyhow. Why? Because he was good to me. He made a way when I didn't know I need a way to be made. He kept you from dying. He kept you from getting HIV and dying. He kept you. Y'all not saying nothing. He kept that car accident from killing you. He's been good. Somebody holler, he's been good? So because he's been good, it is not our job to think that somehow we are to be convenient and how we approach him or serve him or love him or live for him as if somehow we are doing him a favor. Someone today said something to me that made me get the impression that they thought they were doing me a favor. And I went from zero to ten. And then because I don't fight or fix people anymore, I went back to zero and said, duly noted. <laughs> Got it. You're going to learn today. My absence will speak greater. Whenever dishonor is present, you remove your presence. Uh-huh. Leadership lesson for all my pastors watching. We all thank God for all our fellowship pastors and things that watch. And, and some of them ain't our fellowship pastors. Some of them just creeping. We love you too. Come on, get in where you fit in. We love you. Somebody say, we love them. So do we love them. We love minimum God. Here it is. I got to wrap this up. God's kingdom is in you, but it must be unlocked.
And who has the keys? The man of God. So when I use that term man of God, I'm referring specifically in this case, and I can only talk for our house, I'm speaking specifically to the apostolic gift. Okay? In case you in case you're still trying to figure out, that's me. And who is that? Is that my neighbor? Let me prove it to you. This is the reason why many of you, you you grew up in church. You was on Sunday school, B2U usher. You was the first Sunday usher, so you had to be the best usher team because that was first Sunday communion. You couldn't be the sloppy second and third uh, Sunday ones because they were sloppy. First Sunday ushers had to be on point because they had the white gloves. Watch this. And you've learned more here in a short time. Then you have the rest of your time. Goodbye. I'm not being pretentious. Why? Because you finally got to the place with a man that's got your key. Yeah, I'm not saying it. So you can church hop over there, church hop over there. But when you stepped up in here, you were like, whoa, what's going on? You finally stepped into a place where a man's got your key. Would you slap your neighbor high five say the key is in the house? The key. The key is in the house. And don't you dare be shamed about that. And don't you dare look down about that. You find the place where your keys are. Yeah. So here it is. I gotta wrap it. I gotta wrap it. I gotta wrap it up. I gotta wrap it up. What started to happen in you? You're starting to be unlocked. Message after message, experience after experience, you're being unlocked. Got it? And the unlocking process is like the evolution process. It can be a little different. Because Peter was used to the arrogant version of himself. He never met the humble version. He knew what it was to walk around being a jackass. He didn't know what it was to submit. Jackass, that's in this Bible. Don't don't think that bishop's cussing. Read your Bible. Deuteronomy 22.10. Put it up in the King James Version so that nobody tonight accuses Bishop Foreman of being a cusser. Now, I won't confirm or deny if that's true. That ain't really none of your business. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just joking. You read it. So you said it too. So if you're going to judge me, you in it too. That I wasn't even no joke. That's just the truth. Here it is. I got to wrap it. So, so check it out. Peter never knew what it was to be. Um, he never knew what it was. Because think about it. The 12 apostles, and we're getting to where we're going, say unlock. The 12 apostles, these were aged between 13 and 21, Peter being the oldest. Peter was married. We know this because Peter goes to heal uh, uh, one of the in-laws of, of Peter. Peter was one of the oldest, and or the oldest, rather. <coughs> now, they're 13 to 21-ish. Ish. Okay? Now, they are in North Africa, and... Um, and in North Africa, and that's, just, that's just a fact. That's a fact. That's, Israel is on the North African continental plate. That's, that's a fact. There's no den- denying that. There's no meeting about it. There's no... There, there's <laughs> uh, there's none of that. Now, now, they're in North Africa, 13 to 21. And here they are as young men, and they've been rejected by the normal church system. See, the normal church system for Hebrews, which was synagogue, 
and yeshiva was the Hebrew school. Synagogue, when you grew up, that was the place of teaching. Hebrews had, you, you still with me? You had synagogue, which was the place of teaching. Then you had temple, which was the place of sacrifice. So what happens is these young men, every young man in Hebrew culture wanted to be a man of God. They weren't trying to be Jay-Z. They wanted to be Rabbi Jeezy. <laughs> okay, okay. They, 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 weren't, they, weren't, they weren't trying to do, they weren't, they, weren't trying, they weren't trying to ball. They wanted to be like the men of God. So what would happen is they, they'd find a man of God that they were drawn to. And then they would attempt to apprentice that man of God. And um, if they were good enough, that man of God would say this to them. He would say, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Take it upon you. But now in the event, in the event that they weren't good enough, that rabbi would say, go back and do your father's trade. You're not ready for me. Now, many might look at that and say, those rabbis. No, but some of that was good because sometimes you can get arrogant and think you're ready for what your actions prove you're not ready for. It's quiet in the church. Some of you need to thank God that, that, that you got pushed back out so that you could get some additional. Sometimes, okay, let me preach right here. I'm going to go all the way to 10. Come on, go with me. Sometimes when you're too close to the waterfall, you stop getting wet. So sometimes God has to push you back out to the fringes and push you back out to the edges because you're not even taking advantage and valuing what it is that you have. So sometimes he's got to push you out and bring another in to show you this is what you used to look like. This is how you used to be. This is how you used to grow. But I got to push you out so that you learn to appreciate being close to the water. So, so. So what they were doing for many of those young men is building resistance, or excuse me, persistence, and building character and building identity. But also what they were saying in many of those instances is you're not good enough. Now, either they needed that or maybe, you know, maybe they just, you know, needed that. Either way, the rabbi said you're not good enough. Rabbi means teaching. You still with me, church? Okay, it is. I got to wrap it up because I'm, I'm over time. But here it is. What would happen is if you were good enough, they say, come follow me. If you weren't, they say, go do your father's trade. When Jesus finds these 12 guys, what are they all doing? Their father's trade. Family businesses, tax collections, family business. All of them greedy. Fisher, fishermen, family business. Got it? So what does this tell us about those men, those young men? The normal system told them, no. Jesus comes along and in one moment of acceptance, eclipses years of rejection. Because he says, I know, watch, watch this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout myself. I know you weren't good enough for them, but they didn't have your key. I got your key. And since I got your key... I know how it is to put the pressure on you, to put the resistance on you, to put the teaching on you, to put the correction on you, to unlock you and open you up. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm where my key is. So Jesus, in one moment, he says, come, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy, my birthday. Have you ever thought how these guys just dropped everything they were doing? Peter, he's in the middle of fishing. He's got a wife. Okay, ladies, listen, don't, don't listen. Imagine Petey coming home. What happened today at work? I quit. To do what? Go into ministry? With who? Jesus. 
Now, we know him today. She didn't know him back then. She was like, who is Jesus? See, this is what I'm talking about right here, North Africa. This is what I'm talking about right here. See, you always got these ideas, and you always going out doing this stuff, and you ain't thought no stuff through you. See this, see this right here? So how much you going to make? We didn't get into that. What are the benefits? I don't know those either. All I know is when that man spoke, I heard what I've been waiting to hear my whole life. When that man spoke, he unlocked something on the inside of me. And all I know is I got to lay down what I got, and I got to go follow him. And I don't know how we're going to get there, but I got to go follow him. Somebody holler, I'm in my key house. Key house. <laughs> so watch, here it is, here it is, here it is. I got to quit. Here it is. They started following him and dropped what they did. They dropped their agenda and picked up his agenda. And as they served his agenda, they were unlocked. This isn't a new concept, though. Say it's not new. It's not a new concept. What Jesus was teaching wasn't a new thing. Because this had begun millennia prior to God entering a body through what we call Jesus, although he had been around because he is the first and the last he is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. So while we see him as Jesus in a body coming 2,000 years ago, the reality is, is that before there was a beginning, the beginning was him. Did you catch that? So this wasn't new. The men of God and what we call our Old Testament did this all the time. They had what were called the school of the prophets. But then one guy pops up one day, and I'm closing right here. His name was Elijah. And when Elijah stepped on the scene... Elijah said, guys, we're doing this wrong. He said, schools produce students. Students know how to do tasks. He says, but fathers produce sons. Sons have an identity where they can do the task and not just do it, but be it. Let me see if I can say it another way. He said, guys, all of y'all have these schools, and they're great. You're teaching great principles. You're, you're doing great exercises. He says, but what I'm finding, the problem is, is not that they need more teaching, more learning. What they're needing is they're needing, watch this, to be given identity. Because the word father means life giver. He says they need to be given life. Because the issue is after you teach them all of that stuff, they don't know how to keep doing all of that stuff. Because they learn tasks, but they never change who they were. So since they never changed who they were, all you did was teach a chicken how to say moo. But then eventually it's going to go back to paka Why? Because it never changed who it was. Be a good church. So, so Elijah steps on the scene, and he says, I'm not calling mine the school of the prophets. No, Elijah said, I'm getting ready to do, uh, do an evolutionary way of this thing. He said, we're going to produce a whole nother type of man. We're going to produce a whole nother type of woman. We're going to breed a whole new type of person. We're going to make a whole new type of movement. And this movement won't just be full of people that are school, that know how to do tasks. This movement is going to be full of people that are sons and daughters who change who they are. 
I feel like preaching right through here. This is the reason why Samuel, Samuel adapted the same concept. And Samuel takes this king named Saul. And the Bible says uh, that Saul became another man because he sat up under uh, 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 the man of God, Samuel. And when he sat up under the man of God, Samuel, the Bible says he was turned into another man. And he began to prophesy with the prophets. In other words, what I'm here to tell you is over the next few Wednesdays, somebody, somebody said, Bishop, what are we going to be doing? Over the next few Wednesdays, what I'm doing is I'm going to transform into Elijah. And what you're doing is you're going to transform into Elisha. What I'm doing is I'm going to transfer him to Paul. And you're going to transfer him to Timothy. I'm going to transfer him to Samuel. You're going to transfer him to Saul. I'm not playing church games no more. We're not doing church as usual around him no more. It is evolution. I said it is evolution time. And to do it, we've got to raise up a movement. And to raise up that movement, we need some unlocked men and women that can walk in the grocery store and lay hands on people. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? We need some unlocked men and women that can go down to Six Flags and start getting people saved. That can walk in the hospital and say, everybody that's sick, get up. It is evolution time. Do I have some other evolutionaries in here? I said, do I have some other evolutionaries in here? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm done. But I need you to get this. Over these next few Wednesdays, somebody said these next few Wednesdays, I'm going to unlock you. I'm going to unlock you. All that junk your daddy put on you, I'm unlocking you. All that junk your mama and them put on you, I'm unlocking you. All that junk that's been on you through the generations, I'm unlocking you. All of that depression, I'm unlocking you. Watch this. That low self-esteem you keep battling with, we finna unlock that. You ain't never gonna look back down on yourself again because it is not only evolution time, but it is time for you to be unlocked. It is time for the saints of the Most High God to rise up and possess the kingdom. Where's the kingdom? It is us. Somebody say, it's in me. Somebody say, it's in me. Somebody say, it's in me. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.